Welcome to season two of the Awareness Podcast. There will be a new episode every Friday from one of our four resident hosts and their guests. Tune in for Conversations in Truth with Bill Free, Living and Not Knowing with Jenny Beale, Tools for Awakening with Cindy Krupp, and Living an Awakened Life with me, Susan Telford. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Living an Awakened Life segment of the Awareness Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Telford, and I'm here today with another Awareness Podcast host, Jenny Beale. It's lovely to see you, Jenny, and to have the opportunity to interview you. You're on the other side of the microphone today. Hi, Susan. It's lovely to be with you. <laughs> so um, for those of you that um, don't know Jenny, I'm just going to share her bio. So um, Jenny discovered the peace, happiness and ease of being that is inherent in our true nature through the direct path teaching of Rupert Spira and Francis Lucille. She has a love of science and mathematics and sees science as a set of mathematical models which express the beauty of unfolding patterns of natural phenomena, not as ultimate truth. She considers openness to examining and abandoning all belief systems to be the principal prerequisite for the understanding of our true nature. In Jenny's view, the spiritual path has no beginning and no end, nor is there any distinction between spiritual life and life in the world. When asked a question, she temporarily becomes a teacher. Otherwise, she remains a student and enjoyer of all that is. I love that last part, Jenny, in the presence of the question, you become a teacher. Yes, yes. So, um, so you said that you, um, you discovered um, the peace and happiness of your true nature through the teachings of Rupert Spira and Francis Lucille. So can you tell us a little bit about your own spiritual journey? Well, I, I suppose it it started in a way my search for truth started with science and mathematics and i was uh, i was fascinated uh, by infinity and i was fascinated by what the nature of the world was and so in my teenage years i was exploring that i was not exploring anything religious because i um i had a very atheistic stance uh, at that time um and so science uh, and maths I, I suppose were a natural route and uh, but from there i i knew there was something more and um by chance i ended up studying um pdo spensky's teaching um that was at the study society, the same place that um, Rupert Spira um, learned uh, at. And um, that uh, that 
society also um well i i suppose it um it moved a little bit away from Pedusbensky, not entirely, but a bit, um, towards uh, the Shankaracharya Shantanand Saraswati, who's uh, who's passed away now, um, and uh, he was the personal teacher of the head of that society. So I was learning Advaita Vedanta um, through him, but it was not. It was not the real non-duality because it was really all the purification stage. And there was a lot of misunderstanding because we never had direct access to the Shankaracharya ourselves. Um, we only had access through the uh, the various teach- teachers in the society who were not, none of whom were fully realised other uh, than uh, Francis Rawls initially, maybe one or two others. Uh, a bit later. So we didn't really have the right information. And so for, for that that reason, it, it, in a way, something was missing and I needed to look further. And um, I, I looked at all sorts of teachings. I, I explored all, all, all sorts of things, mostly through the internet at, uh, at that stage. So um, what other things did you look at? Um, I, I looked at a number of um, Buddhist uh, teachings, um, Ramana Maharshi's teaching, uh, Nisargadatta, um, and uh, and their followers, um, and none, none of it quite uh, quite clicked. Um, then I then I came across. Uh, Rupert, who had also been at the study society, although I'd never really um, seen much of him there. And he had been taught by Francis Lucille. And uh, so he, um, who came from the Jean Klein uh, lineage. And uh, that 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 made tremendous sense to me and it, it i'd i'd already had glimpses of well long glimpses of my true nature but it but those glimpses bore no relation to what i had been taught at the study society i couldn't see the connection i uh, i i i i could feel i knew that um that there was just one i i felt that i was the universe um, but that it seemed quite wrong when I compared that with what we were being taught. So, that was a problem. Say more about that. What? Well, you what see, we 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 we, uh, we were we were taught that um, uh, that you had to go into nivikava samadhi consciousness without objects and you stayed there and then somehow the world all changed uh, uh, after that and it doesn't change it doesn't change but it um the the way you feel it and the way you see it is it, it is it's it different it acquires a a softness and a love but no one no one ever explained that you felt that it all had to disappear in, yes. in, in, in in some way and dissolve, and you know that was that was completely uh, wrong. So uh, and for therefore we we felt we all felt it was that it was something quite magical which we were never going to get to. Um, 
Yes. And um, yeah, so there were so many teachings on, um, you know, that there's no world, there's nothing, <clears throat> there's nothing out there. Um, it's all an illusion, and they're they're misunderstood in exactly that way. I think yeah. aren't they? that if exactly. you, you know, when, when you're enlightened, then you're not going to see what what I'm seeing out of that window. You know? Which, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. It's yes. It's uh, crazy, crazy, really. But that you know that that was what we were taught. That was how I I thought about it. So when I um, when Rupert explained that no, um, it, it wasn't like that, and I, I said, to him, I just want to, I just want to get back to that, uh, to to that sense of everything being one, myself being everything, and um, uh, and one of the, I, I think the most important thing he he said to me is, well, you can't get back to that. You always are that but you're um you're conceptualizing it as a, a feeling in the body and a, a sense of peace in the mind it's not a it's not a state of the body or the mind and there's so much confusion a, a, a around that um certainly we in the study society we thought that it was a state of the body uh, and the mind and so i'd grown up with that idea for many decades um, and that was that was quite revolutionary thinking uh, that it's not a it's not a state of the body or mind. You 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 can be angry, you can be anxious, you can be agitated, and still underneath there's the there's the peace of your your true being. I think this I think it's so important to emphasise this because it's it's such a um distraction almost sometimes for people because they have a conceptual idea of how how they're going to feel what it's going to be like which then they project onto other people and and think well she feels like that or he he's this way and I'm not therefore either I'm doing something wrong or I'm not there yet or this thing that I'm trying to achieve is somewhere in the future. It's, but it's here. It's it's here now. So yes, it's more about that, Jenny, because I know you know a lot of people listening to us um, raise questions like this all of the time, um, and so I think clarity around this is so important. Yes, I I, I think so too, and it. I mean, for me, it was quite a a big step to um, to 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 really to really see that and uh, and uh, and accept that that was possible. And then, as soon as as soon as I was open to that possibility, then everything else, every, all the problems just dropped away. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um... Your segment of the Awareness Podcast is called Living in Not Knowing, and we're calling this um, particular episode uh, today, What Does It Mean to Live in Not Knowing? And as I said to you before we started to record, you know, it struck me that perhaps for someone who is just beginning the spiritual search, has just, just started, that 
that living in not knowing may not appear to be a very attractive proposition because I'm I'm seeking because I want to know my true nature. I want to know the the reality of things. I, I want to know that that almost motivates the search. So what does it actually mean to live in not knowing? It means openness. It, it means letting go of all beliefs. It means um, embracing un- uncertainty and it, enjoying it because it, it, ultimately it's it's beliefs that uh, that cause so many problems in our lives and uh, as i was just describing it was my belief um which i'd learned from the the, the study society um that um that they were that i needed that, that the world needed to disappear the world needed to change and that i wasn't I wasn't there yet because the world hadn't changed. It was that belief that that had got in my way. And for for everyone, it's it's beliefs. We're, each of us have different beliefs, but it's it's always beliefs that uh, that, that get in the way. And it's true that um, when, when people look for a spiritual teaching, what they're looking for is a new set of beliefs. It's a big mistake. Yeah, so we just exchange one set of beliefs for another. Yes, yeah. and your your new set of beliefs might might be more helpful, might lead you to um, a, a happier life in some respects, but they're they're not going to take you to the ultimate. So, what is what what's standing in the way? You know, I like these podcasts to be very experiential for the listeners. So there may be people who are listening, who are thinking, well, I don't know my true nature. I I, I don't really, I hear, you know, I've read and I've heard that my my true nature is peace and happiness, but that is not my everyday experience. So, so what what's standing in the way? If we take if we take as an assumption that our true nature is here now, that peace and happiness is here now, what's blocking that? What what's in the way of that? Well, the first thing that's in the way of it is uh, the belief that what you are is your your body um, or your mind and. Um, for most people, it tends to be particularly their 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 mind, but they also feel that they're limited by uh, by by their body. So, if there are feelings um, which are um, feelings of fear, um, uh, feelings of unhappiness, misery, um, then th- those are feelings which relate to the body and the mind. And if we look at what we really are, then actually we know, we all know that we're not a, a body or a mind. We just, we just don't think of it that way. So how do we all know that? We, 
we know it because we know that our body is always changing and we know that what we are is something that that hasn't changed has never has never changed from when we were a tiny baby um, that there's something that I am that has uh, that has never changed but um, to imagine that I am uh, the same as um, a tiny baby is is ridiculous so I'm not my body equally the the mind of a tiny baby is very undeveloped it doesn't know what anything is it doesn't know about objects it doesn't know any mathematics it doesn't know any any science um it's a, it's a very different mind and uh, so we we know that we're not that and um so if we go back to what we are we we it, it's obvious that we are aware of our bodies, we're aware of our minds, we're aware of the world around us, then it's it's natural to uh, to think, well, obviously I'm that, whatever that is, that, that is aware of all of those things. Yeah. It's... Um... It is overlooked, isn't it? I mean, when you when you put it like that, you know, I'm clear. If I think of myself when I was five, you know, I look at a photograph of myself when I was five, and clearly, you know, that I'm clearly not that body. Clearly not. It's it's obvious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yet, there is something that that I I still remember the sense of myself when I was in that little body. There is a continuity, isn't there, that, yes. that's, that's overlooked. Exactly. And it's that continuity is, is, is what we are. And then so once, once that idea uh, begins to, to sink in and you stop behaving as if you're a body, um, and mind, um, then gradually, gradually, you you sense the um, the the innate happiness, the innate peace, um, the innate joy of living. Um, that 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 is that, that is that real self. Yeah. Um, and yet, I. I hear so many people say that they don't, even though they have been on a spiritual path for many, many years, that that is not their experience. So again, what's blocking that? Trying, usually. Trying. So how much effort does it have to make on this path? Well, it's necessary to give up all effort. It's a it's a form of surrender, and it's it's hard for people because I think we're we're taught from childhood you need to make an effort, you've got to pass your exams, so you've got to make an effort, um, otherwise you'll uh, you'll end up in a dead end job and life will be awful, and you know that's what our parents. My, my parents taught me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, 
you know, that's that's so much in our conditioning that it's very, very hard um, to even contemplate uh, the, the idea of giving up effort. But ultimately, if you do give up all effort, stop, uh, stop trying and just just allow things to be as they are. Just allow that true self, which you now know, you, you know you're not your body or, or your mind. Just allow that true self to be as it is. Just allow everything to be as it is. Yeah. And even on, on um, the spiritual path, effort is often advocated you know we have a noisy mind for example and so um we're told that meditation will be useful in order to calm the mind or um reading and studying and um doing all sorts of spiritual practices so when are those are they ever useful and when is it time to give those up? Yes, I mean, I, I learned mantra meditation at the Study Society, and that, that was certainly helpful in um, showing me nirvikalpa samadhi, which is consciousness without objects. And I, I, I think that's I think that's important. I think that's it's the recognition that the mind and consciousness are, uh, are different, uh, are not the same at all. That, you, in other words, that you can have uh, awareness without any um, objects of experience uh, appearing within it. Um, we normally say, well, I'm, you know, I'm aware of my surroundings, I'm aware of my body, I'm aware of my thoughts. Um, but awareness, we think that some kind of object of awareness is necessary, but it isn't. And it's that discovery um, that you can have awareness without any objects of awareness um, that's uh, that's really important and really helpful. So is but, that the same as being aware of being aware? That's that's another way of uh, of, of putting it, but you have to get beyond those words. It's it's just a, a allowing all. Um, I mean the the form of meditation, um, which is a non-objective meditation, is what all the other types of objective meditations are supposed to lead you to. So in other words, with mantra meditation, um, you start by focusing on the mantra and then you allow the mantra to disappear. And that leads you to um, this non-objective state of mind. There's nothing, mind has essentially disappeared because um, there's, there's no... There's no phenomena occurring in mind. There's no, there's no experience, uh, objective experience occurring in mind. So, so yes, that, that that's what all forms of meditation lead you to. You can describe it as being aware of being aware, but in a way, that's just words. Um, it's not going to take you there. Um, to to go there, I, I I think it does help to have some kind of method. Now, I I think non-objective meditation 
um, right from the start. In other words, the direct method is um, is easier for for some people, but um, mantra meditation certainly. I mean. Uh, was helpful for me and um, non-objective meditation wasn't available to me it just wasn't talked about uh, wasn't known about really Um, so so can you give us a taste of non-objective meditation is that possible in in this moment yes uh, uh, of course well the the first thing uh, to make it easier is if we close our eyes. Um, the, the reason that makes it easier is because it it cuts out uh, some of the experience that is flowing through mind, which is the experience of seeing. And then we just uh, allow all experience to stay on the surface, do what it wants, stay on the surface, but we just sink underneath it. It's like if you're going down into water, imagine that you're um, you you can breathe in the water and you can you can just go down to the bottom of the ocean and you just leave all the waves on the surface of the ocean. Allow them to do exactly what the waves are going to do. So the waves are your thoughts, um, any sounds that might be appearing. They're also your bodily sensations. You don't give them any attention. You don't. You don't let your let them um, let your attention be captured by any of those. You just uh, allow them to be there. And you just rest in that complete silence, complete absence of anything, right at the bottom of the ocean. Nothing there, nothing moving. And if thoughts come back, you just let them go again. They're not of any interest. Nothing phenomenal is of any interest. And it's not a state that you're trying to hold on to. You try to hold on to it, then that 
in itself is something objective. It's just an allowing. Rather like falling asleep, but remaining just awake, just a little bit. By taking that effortless approach, you arrive at somewhere that's empty of everything objective, but it's full of potential. It's not a blankness. So if you open your eyes and allow the world to come back in, then somehow the, the, the quality of that experience remains, doesn't it? Thank you, Jenny. What, um, What occurred to me was um, in doing that meditation um, and having that sense of of thoughts and and everything objective being on the surface, and yet this stillness and. I don't know that that this kind of felt sense of that I had was was really 
rooted, really, um, I don't know, really big. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not solid, but I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to describe, but I had such yes. a kind of expansive sense um and and it occurred to me that um you know that that is the taste of the peace that it that is there when all of that other stuff is going on on the surface of life yes uh, yes but that doesn't have to stop or be different in the presence of this does that does that make sense i'm just trying to exactly exactly that's you know that that's the whole that's the whole method that's that's all there is in a way uh, to it that's um the only other aspect is the the recognition which you've already referred to which is that feeling of expansiveness we are not limited um, we're not limited by our body or, or, or our minds. We're, we're not limited by the universe. Yeah. Nothing, nothing limits what we truly are. And that, uh, that again, that, that takes a little bit, uh, a little bit longer usually for most people. But yeah, it's, it's where it, that's where it takes you. That the more you recognize that background, that that constant background of of love and happiness and fullness of potential, then the then the more you uh, you recognize the unlimitedness of what we truly are. So say say a little bit more about that. What what do, what does that mean? The unlimitedness of what we truly are. Well, people generally feel um, I am. I was born, and I'm going to die. And it's absolutely true that the body was born, and the body's going to die. Um, but we are not that and they can they can see um through the sort of experiment we just did um that that they're not that but at the same time they have this sense of i was born and uh, i'm 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 going to die um so the unlimitedness um so the first aspect of unlimitedness is is that unlimitedness in time that um in a sense time is not is not real it's a it's a superimposition of uh, of mind and there are all sorts of other ways of exploring that um you know you you can explore it through through science um, you can explore it through your your own experience. Um, you you feel a, a sense of no time um, when you're in that um, that experience of pure consciousness without consciousness without objects. You, 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 there, there is. There is no sense of time there, because time is something 
that has to be delimited by events. Uh, there have to be phenomena for there to be uh, for there to be time. So, you, so there's re- some reasoning associated um, with that, which can be helpful. But ultimately, it's the feeling. It's the the important thing is the feeling, and uh, the reasoning can. What it can do is to soften and ultimately dissolve the the beliefs that you're still holding on to that time is something real. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, then there's space that um, we feel that we end at our our bodies, I, my my skin. That's where I end, um, and it, that's not really true. It's um, and again, you can see scientifically it's not true. Um, we're breathing air, we're taking in food, um, even on the surface of the skin, as a uh, as an ex- as an exchange of elementary particles. So even from that point of view, it's certainly not true that we entered our skin. And um, but if you do all the sorts of body explorations, which uh, uh, a part of this uh, uh, this path, you you can you can feel the expansiveness of uh, of the real body, and ultimately you feel yes. Where where is there a dividing line between my body and the universe? There is no dividing line. Therefore, there is no inside and outside uh, uh, of me. So space itself then. Uh, is another superimposition of mind disappears. Yeah, I think um, I think that's really easy to experience just with your eyes closed. Um, you know, with without kind of the memory of the outline of the body, and just yes. with your eyes closed, when that sensation, the the sensation that we're not naming, it's a tingling in my hand, for example. Mm-hmm. Just you really cannot feel a boundary. It's you know, it's exactly. very easy to verify for yourself. Yes. Yes. So. Um, The other thing that I wanted, this is something that I, I for in my own in my own journey has become so important because because of the background of of my own spiritual journey and the practices I've done and and all of the all of the efforting that I did for you know forty years. <laughs> this this um, idea, if it is an idea, of life as celebration. It's something that I would say has only become a reality to me in the last year or year, maybe. And it has completely changed everything. So um, because, you know, I I came through, um, you know, teachings that were very much, as we, you know, we've referred to before, that that there's, that the world's an illusion, um, you know, to to kind of turn away from the world, to to not be interested or or involved that that almost an interest in the world or an enjoyment of the world was egoic, mm. um, all of that sort of stuff. So to come into this celebration, this this. 
find it difficult to put words on it. But but just a completely different. It's like something just opened up, and and the thing that 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 really describes it for me is that little bit in Little Gidding, the T.S. Eliot poem that says, you know, at the end of all your exploration will be to return, I'm not I'm not getting the exact words, but it will be return to where you started and know the place for the first time. Yes, I that, love that quote. Yes, yes you know, the one I yes. quoted mm. properly. But, but yeah, that that is my experience. That's my direct experience. So, Talk talk a bit about what is meant by life as celebration, um, and yeah, just tell us about that. <laughs> it's it's something that happens naturally as a result of the recognition of our true nature, because once once we've recognised that we don't need to try to be a better person we we don't need um to make a, an effort to fulfill some kind of human agenda whatever that might be saving the world or whatever um because we're not we're not anything separate we are the world we are everything um, there's nothing that is not myself so what is left other than celebration other than enjoyment consciousness enjoying itself myself enjoying uh, my, myself so it, instead of having um uh, an agenda which um, of necessity would be associated with, with, with some kind of sense of being a separate entity, then we we just have pure enjoyment in in every moment. And what whatever we feel drawn um, to to do in any one moment, then that's a, that's the thing to do. Allow the body to do it we don't we don't do anything the body's the body that that acts and we allow it to to act in the way it wants to allow the mind to enjoy what the mind wants to to enjoy whether it's art or music or mathematics or whatever it is and that's that's celebration and that's something that we can share with with other people without well, without talking about non-duality, we can share the celebration, and they they feel that they feel that they they feel that uh, that sense of enjoyment, and ultimately that sense of enjoyment is the sense of being one. Yeah, that you know the when you're speaking there, you know, I can really feel emotion arise um that whole lifetime of of um being taught to you have to be good you have to achieve you have to you have to do something you have to get somewhere you have to strive 
it's that was the falling away for me of all of that and that follow following it's it's what joseph campbell said wasn't it follow your bliss mm-hmm. um is follow you follow your what lights you up what what you're, what you're drawn to it's so i cannot i cannot articulate how radically different that is to the woman who burned out in 2016 from trying so hard at every single thing she did That's, so, yeah yeah do you feel that in your own life jenny because obviously oh, you very, had a professional very, career and <laughs> all of that stuff i I was someone who tried and tried and tried. Yes, I I I certainly did, and there, there was a a point where there was a a complete collapse from spiritual trying. I had all these different techniques that I had come across and um, was uh, was using all all the time, um, trying every moment. And um, yeah, there was there was just a, a collapse into a dark night of the soul. And but it was it was after that that I had that first long um, glimpse of what I truly was. Um, I all the trying collapsed. Uh, everything everything collapsed. Um, in my in my case, it manifested professionally. You know, I was just I had a total collapse, and was unable to go back to school. Um, you know, as a maths teacher, as you know. Yes. And um, one day, I was I was I, I couldn't get out of bed. I really I was I was in a really bad way physically. Um, everything was exhausting. Everything you know, taking a shower would I had to sleep for hours after it. Um, and I was what I was looking out of my bedroom window, and um, just thinking, I, I don't know how to do life. That's the way I, w- I knew how to do life—to try really hard to be that type mm. A personality. You know, I don't know how to do it anymore. I just I don't, and it felt very dark. It felt you know I cannot go on, and I suddenly had a sense that I was I was being breathed. That I wasn't even breathe. I was not the one who was breathing the body, mm-hmm. and that yes. glimpse there, that glimpse of, you know, you don't need you don't need to think to to work out how to do your life because you were never doing it. Yes, and what's needed is a surrender into this vastness, mm-hmm. and. Everything, everything changed. It's um, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was, and is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you are going to be teaching four masterclasses for us in Evolve um, called Living in Not Knowing. So, um, Talk a little bit about that. So th- there's going to be four classes um, in August. It's in August, isn't it? Yes. 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 Um, so talk talk us through a little bit of that, so that you know. I hope hope people have have a, had a flavour so far. But I really want 
people to have an idea of, you know, what's on offer in August, because, you know, for me, this, this has been the most life changing thing and ended a 40 odd year spiritual search. So, you know, I, I really want us to convey what you're going to be offering in August. So talk about that, please. Yeah, so living in not knowing, as uh, as I've said, is really about letting go of all of the beliefs that uh, that, that we have. So I, I want to to start with just looking at what we can know for for certain, and each of um, each of the sessions is um, will consist of. Um, uh, a, a little, a, a little bit of logical argument, um, some meditation, really, to uh, as an experiment, um, to uh, just to give people a, a, a taste, um, and then questions and answers. What whatever people feel is uh, is a block for them exploring that. Um, so the the second um, session will, will, will be um, really a, about enjoying our uncertainty, um, challenging, l- looking at um, our, our beliefs, um, e- each of our beliefs that um, that limit us um, in in different ways. All of the the myths uh, about spiritual uh, awakening, you know, people think it needs uh, a quiet mind, that you have to be a special special sort of person, that it needs huge amounts of effort, as we've been talking uh, about, uh, all of those sorts of things which are complete myths. So anything like that, really dispelling um, all all of those myths, it's possible for um, for everyone. It's available. It's immediately available. It doesn't take a long time. And really, the the idea that um, uh, that I don't know, saying I don't know, rather than um, I know what I am. Um, I know I'm pure consciousness. That's a block, you know. It's it, it, it's it's a block. If you say I don't know what I am, all that's possible is to be what I am. I can't I can't know phenomenally. I can't know myself as a, 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 a as an object. Um, and then the third session um, will be about the body because. Um, Although it's very easy to see that we're not our, our body, um, it's harder to feel that we're not our, our body. So that that will be about the um, the, the feeling side um, of it, and um, feeling as as we've discussed that we we don't end at our skin, um, and um, uh, and also looking at some of the the deep and dark feelings that can sometimes uh, arise, the um, the fear of death or sense of lack, which are very much uh, sort of right at the root of the sense of uh, of separation that we feel, and are very much um, there in the body and need to be allowed to to 
come to the surface. And then finally about, really about celebration, um, thinking thinking about uh, the truth, perceiving the truth, living the truth, um, living what you what you know, or living that that you don't know most things. You can't be certain about most things. There's um, the way we interact with the uh, with the world. We have models for how we in uh, how the world is, how the world behaves, and we need to rely on those models. Um, but it's knowing that those models are not ultimately the truth of uh, of what is. Um, no, no problem in um, continuing to use those models. You know, if we um, if we drop a a cup on the floor, the chances are it's going to break. Um, that's it's how the world works, and so we can be fairly sure um, about that. But we can never be absolutely certain about anything phenomenal. And re- really feeling that and living that, and it, in particularly looking at where our um, where our thoughts come from, uh, do we choose our thoughts? And if we really look carefully at the implications of the understanding that we don't choose our thoughts, it's easy to see we don't choose our thoughts, but to look at the real implications uh, of that, um, especially in our relationships with, with other people, um, that's that's very important. So that's the so that's the final final workshop, which would be. Yeah, more, more looking upwards, more uh, looking at our life in the world, our relationships with people. Thank you, Jenny. I'm very much looking forward to that. And um, I'm very much looking forward to um, being with you as the QA happens and the teacher appearing. <laughs> <laughs> because I personally have not interacted with you in that way um, until today, of course, because the teacher appeared in the presence of my questions here. (laughs) Is there anything else you would like to say as we uh, conclude this podcast? I think the the only thing to, to say is this... There's nothing for anyone that really gets in the way of um, being alive to your true nature, to knowing your, your your true nature. If you really, if that's what you want, that's that's available to you right now. And that's the, that's the the crucial sentence, isn't it? The crucial phrase. If that's what you want. Yes. Um, And so I encourage everyone who is listening, there will be a link um, to register for Jenny's masterclasses in the show notes for this podcast. So I encourage everyone, um, if that is what you want, and perhaps especially if you have been on a spiritual path for a number of years and have that sense that I'm not there yet, um, to join us in August and just to see what happens. So thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you today. 
Lovely to talk to you, Susan. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Awareness Podcast. If you would like to join Jenny Beale for her four-part live masterclass series, Living in Not Knowing, which begins on Monday the 4th of September at 3pm Eastern Time, then click the link in the show notes for this podcast to learn more and to register. Be sure to tune in next Friday for Conversations in Truth with Bill Free, the direct experience of A Course in Miracles, Part 3. The Awareness Podcast is brought to you by the Teachers of God Foundation in association with Pure Presence Conferences.